Welcome back to the third episode of the Poor Prognosis Podcast. With me today, I'm, do- I'm joined by Dr. Roger Mochigimba. How are you doing today, Dr. Roger? I'm doing great, Hassan. Thank you for asking. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I got the chance to shadow you a couple of months ago and, you know, working with you taught me or just seeing how you practice taught me a lot about the different, a different aspect of healthcare and the more business side of it. So I'm, I think you'll be a great guest to have on the podcast. And I think a lot of people appreciate your perspective. Um, and you're a primary care physician and you run your own clinic called Direct Med Clinic in San Antonio. Um, so the topic of this podcast will be about primary care. Um, so I just wanted to ask you right off the bat, how would you describe the system of primary care? Okay, so to me, primary care is, it's, it's your first access to care. Um, yeah, so the first, the first touch or the first need uh, of anything besides first aid that a person might have is primary care. Right. I, uh, I, I think a lot of people, they get kind of shocked at how broad this primary care setting is. So do you think a lot of patients are using primary care properly? Like, are they not using it enough? Are they using it too much just based on your experiences? How would you um, answer that? That's a great question, actually. And I think that it's, it's kind of changed over the years and maybe over the, the generation because when, when I was a child, uh, folks had their their family doctor, and I think that's really kind of the the essence of of how primary care should be used properly. But over the years, um, maybe because of so much influence uh, from the insurance companies and different models, different kind of insurance plans and whatnot, um, it's it's kind of gone away from that. So. I don't think that people are using primary care properly. And I think that they're not using it enough is is what I mean. Hmm. So I think that um, there's there's a lot of training. We get pretty broad training in primary care and uh, that's what it's all about. We're, We're trying to position ourselves as primary care providers, primary care doctors, to take care of the, you know, cradle to the grave, you know, the little things that, you know, the rash or itch, you know, up until, you know, um, helping someone through to the time they're, they're going to pass away, you know, all of those things. So it's pretty broad. Absolutely. Um, I guess, more specifically for patients, they oftentimes when they're sick or injured, they have to make a decision between going to primary care or choosing the ER. And we've had conversations about, you know, insurance and out of network, the out of this networking system, making ER, the ER very expensive at times and how primary care can be a lot cheaper if, if you're u- utilizing it properly. So Is there a a clear way or a criteria to determine for patients, when should I go to my primary care physician versus when should I go to the hospital? Yeah, so 
I would say that maybe I'm a little biased with what I'm going to say, but I think that ideally you just you just reach out to your 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 family doctor, your primary care doctor, and say, hey, this is what's going on, and then they're going to ask you this, that, and this, and that. They're they're going to find out if it's serious or not. They're gonna they're gonna find out if it if you need to come into the office today or if you need to go to the emergency room right now. They could they're gonna if it's after hours they'll say they'll determine if you can wait till the morning to come in, or uh, they might say you know what uh, I think you know you need to be admitted to the hospital. But uh, so uh, that's what I would say is that patients should let their should decide to go to the hospital emergency room with their their doctor mm -hmm. yeah i um when i was doing some of my my blog writing for my internship um i had to talk about primary care as an alternative in in patient treatment and something i came across i don't have the statistics on me now but i'll definitely post them it's that two-thirds of the ER care can be handled in primary care, like physicians are equipped to do so in the primary care setting. And also ER care is twice or 12 times as expensive as primary care, just overall in general. Um, I'll definitely post those statistics below, but I thought that was shocking for me to see that. Um, but yeah. Exactly. Well, that, that is shocking, but why is it that way? Why? Why are people going to the emergency room for those things that can be treated um, in a primary care setting? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts about that. I, from a patient perspective, I mean, it, it's very easy to get scared when something's wrong. And when you're scared, you kind of just want to go to acute care immediately. Um, but the, the fear factor plays a lot into it. And a, a lot of patients don't understand how the system works and maybe they have a different perception of primary care. Right. So I think that uh, the reason that, that people are utilizing the emergency room for these, these common things is that they don't have access to primary care. And, and that's, that's really sad. And we, you know, we saw it during the COVID pandemic, um, a lot of folks were scared because they might have had risk factors, they might have had an exposure, or they might have tested positive for COVID, and they they just didn't know where to go. They, you know, they didn't know how to calm their fears. They didn't know whether they should worry or not. And so this is, this is exactly the role of a, a family physician to to assess their uh, their risk and mitigate that and treat them early um, yeah yeah i i wanted to get into this later but i think this is um, a good segue it's that you were talking about the physician shortage especially in primary care and how if we had better, if we had more physicians on the front line before patients got to, before they had their acute conditions, that would really, really drive down just overall costs in healthcare. 
And so I'm, I'm applying to medical school and a lot of people around me, they always talk about, oh, primary care isn't as lucrative for doctors. It's not as prestigious. It's, there's so much more frustration when you have to deal with such a broad spectrum of patients and you're, you're dealing with insurance all the time. Um, and it's just very, dis like a lot of people are de-incentivized into pursuing primary care for a lot of these reasons. Um, I'm sure you disagree with a lot of that, that rhetoric, but I, I think the main question is like, do you have any ideas on how we can incentivize primary care so that more med students join this specialty? Well, that's a great question. And part of me wants to take a step back and, and uh, let, let the medical students ask the question to themselves, like, what, what do I want out of my career, you know? Do, do I, do I love operating, you know? Uh, did, so then, then you want to, you know, lean toward the, the surgical specialties, but um, so, so ask yourself really, why are you going into medicine and what you want to get out of it? Um, if you, if you want to um, be involved with, with healing people's ailments uh, and, and taking care of people, um, then, you know, probably you need to consider primary care. But, um, you know, it, it may, uh, you mentioned insurance. I mean, family practice, uh, I mean, most doctors today, like all doctors today have to deal with insurance unless you specifically, you know, decide that you're going to leave that insurance part mm -hmm. of, of medicine. Um, so, the insurance component is going to be involved in whatever you do, whether it's it's surgery or primary care or any other uh, specialty. Um, so it it may not be as lucrative, but um, there again, I, that's why I'm saying you know you just need to ask yourself what you want out of your career. Right. Um, going back to insurance, um, you, you, your clinic runs a system that I had never heard about until a few weeks before I started shadowing you, even though I've been raised by doctors, I'm, I'm very familiar with a lot of specialties, but I'd never heard about something called direct primary care. So I was wondering if you could explain what it is and then why you think it's worked so well for in in regards to our current American healthcare system? Great question. And I love talking about it. Um, so to one of the reasons why it works so well is it it provides affordable access to primary care. Um, whereas in in the traditional insurance model of healthcare, for the most part, insurance premiums are really high and deductibles are really high. So people are, um, you know, if someone doesn't have uh, the amount of savings in their savings account to match what their deductible is, they're essentially uninsured, you know? So uh, health insurance is, is pretty expensive with those high premiums and high deductibles. But in direct primary care, the way it works is that a person will pay a membership fee to the clinic and then that's on a monthly basis. And then anytime they need anything, 
the doc will just take care of them. You know, if they need to come into the clinic, it doesn't cost them anything. Um, and then in the uh, DPC model, doctors can text their patients. I mean, doctors and patients can text through a HIPAA compliant secure app. And, you know, a lot of healthcare can be done that way. Also, admin administration can be done that way, like setting up appointments um, or getting refills. Um, so it's, it's, the, it's so beautiful because it uh, creates affordable access to primary care. And as you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, that if we had more access to primary care, that would um, eliminate so much um, high cost healthcare down the road because, you know, uh, screening and prevention would be uh, happening more and more often. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw it, I was just shocked by the simplicity. Patients don't have to worry about how much each treatment is going to cost or this this test or this lab. It's They don't have to worry about insurance. It's just I pay the doctor a monthly subscription like you would for Netflix or something, and then right. I get all this care. And it's, it's really great because you combined it with this telemedicine aspect. And we were talking about how you should always go to your primary care physician before the hospital just to ask them quickly, like, do you think I should come to you or the hospital? And when you have this system where you can just text them a quick question that's really simple to get asked and it can be answered in a few seconds, like this system really works for the patients, which I think is, it's, it's really amazing because, you know, in the current healthcare system, a lot of the times patients don't feel like they're being heard or that their needs are prioritized above others. Exactly. You know, it was uh, so eye-opening for me and and my clinic team uh, during the pandemic. We it became so apparent that just because people had health insurance didn't mean that people had access to a doctor. Ooh, and it was it was kind of sad for us to see that. And they were reaching out to us like. Hey, my doctor can't see me or won't do this or that, or I can't reach him. And, and they, they were reaching out to us because we, you know, we have this direct care model. Um, and during the pandemic, our patients never lost a beat with access because we already had the connection with our app and they knew how to reach us. Um, the, the way that we set it up uh, with respiratory illness during the pandemic was pretty easy. We, we had, you know, the rapid test in the office and when people needed, uh, when, when they had a respiratory complaint during the pandemic, we just uh, would do a virtual visit with them. And if we needed them to have a test, then we would just have them drive by and just take care of them. And otherwise our clinic was open during the pandemic. We just screened out the respiratory complaints and they didn't come in, they got virtual visits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. absolutely. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask, um, so obviously your clinic has direct primary care, but the final goal is always more accessibility for more patients. So how do you, like, what do you see in the public perception around direct primary care currently? And do you think it'll be scalable to the national level in a few years or decades? 
I absolutely do. I mean, it's already scaling up. There's there, more and more doctors are, are starting direct primary care practices all the time. And there's more and more patients, uh, patient testimonials and good stuff happening for patients, better clinical outcomes because they have access to, to early treatment and have access to their doctor. So, um, you know, uh, direct primary care is definitely recognized by the American Academy of Family Practice, and they endorse that. So um, it, it is working and it is scalable. It is scaling. Have you seen this system in any other specialties? Yes, uh, there are. Um, I don't know how well those are scaling, but I do know that uh, that some specialists are direct care. I don't know. I think I think some of them have a membership model, um, but it's not as this as common as primary care. Right. Um, okay. I wanted to segue into the last part of our conversation in that you're one of the leaders of the Free Market Medical Association in San Antonio. Um, they have a convention coming up this week and you're a keynote speaker, so you're very well versed in free market principles. Um, why do you think the free market works so well for patients? Well, that's a great question. And it's, it's a, it comes down to value, you know, um, free market uh, presents value. So what we've always tried to do in, in our San Antonio chapter uh, well, let me back up for a minute. The Free Market Medical Association uh, stands on the principle that uh, more price transparency will bring down the high cost of health care. And so that's that's true. You know, in, in our country, we, we kind of pride ourselves on having a free market. But without price transparency, we don't have a free market. You can't have a free market. And we don't have that in health care. So... What we've always tried to do in our San Antonio chapter is to bring doctors and patients, I mean, doctors together, and then uh, healthcare consumers, whether it's patients or employers who uh, pay for the majority of healthcare in this country, and then a few brokers to, to help facilitate that. Uh, and so then we, we expose these prices in, in so an if an employer is shopping for affordable, accessible health care, there's the community. There's there's a in the room in the community. There's a doctor. There's a specialist. There's a surgery center that offers cash pricing. And I've literally seen that happen. And it's been a beautiful thing. You know, we've had we've had people speak about how they can have uh, direct primary care if they want that or how, if they need um, an affordable kind of insurance product. We've had uh, someone talk about that. We spoke about a surgery center in San Antonio that um, accepts cash uh, for procedures. And then, you know, within a few weeks, a major employer in San Antonio was using them for like three or four cases. And so that's, that's a win-win for everybody to have affordable high quality healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. I think it boils down to the fact that 
when patients know what treatment costs, that allows for competition, more transparency, will eventually lower prices like you were talking about. A lot of people, um, they'll come up to me, a, a lot of like students will ask me like, America is a capitalist system. So isn't the healthcare system we have now, isn't that considered a free market? What would you say to that? I would say it, if you're a patient, definitely not. It's not, but you know, if you're an insurance company, probably so, because you're, you're able to build your insurance empire in that. Yeah, I think um, just with this whole talk of networks and whether you're in network or out of network, and the fact that patients don't know what their treatment costs, it, it, it's hard to classify that as a free market. Um, you're not, you can't make the best decision and be the best advocate for yourself. Right. It's very confusing too. And, and patients when they're sick, they're ill, they need, they need a doctor to slow down and take time to talk to them and help them and yeah, to take care of them. Yeah. I, I wanted to spice it up a little bit. Um, I, I, my previous guest what is Professor Michael Richards, and he's also he also has his MD, and he's a professor of healthcare economics at Baylor University and College of Medicine. But we were talking about the same ideas of whether American healthcare is a free market, a mixed economy, like what is it? And so he expressed some um, concerns about the free market, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts about it. And so one thing he mentioned was that patients. It's, it's medicine is so complicated that sometimes patients, even if they have the prices in front of them, they don't know way, which, which cardiologist should I pick or which treatment should I get? Like it's, it's too complicated for them. So how, how would you respond to that? I agree. I agree. Patients cannot navigate that the healthcare system by themselves. That's why they, that, that goes back to another question that you had earlier you know, should a, a patient go to, uh, when do they go to the hospital, the ER? And, and that's where I, that's where I, I, I'm still going back to that they need a family doctor to help them navigate the system. You know, so me being, being in practice of medicine, I know when, when somebody needs a procedure, what kind of procedure I know, I know the docs in the community that, that work well. And so I will help be that patient navigator. Um, I, I, I just can't, I just can't emphasize that enough. But if, if a, a family doc is not mm, focused on their patient and they'll, and um, because, because the, the model or the insurance model is not letting them, it's not incentivizing them to do that, then it, it could create a situation where they'll they'll say, okay, well, you need to go see a cardiologist or go see a surgeon. Well, then, you know, that surgeon might say, oh, I don't, I don't do those kind of procedures. Or the cardiologist might say, well, I don't do that. You, you know, so they're going to be lost. That's why they they need uh, a case manager or a patient navigator. That inherently is the role, in my opinion, of a good family doctor. Um, so that's what we do for our patients. We have time to do that. 
Now I can, I can give you an example. Um, so it was a Friday afternoon sitting in the clinic and uh, one of the patients called and said, hey, Dr. Roger, uh, we're on a trip. Um, we were going uh, up 281 to uh, a retreat this weekend in North Texas. I was driving, my husband was on a conference call in the car and he fell asleep and I, I looked over at him, I said, hey, are you okay? And he said, hey, well, I was having a little, I've been having some chest pain off and on. So this lady, she diverted right then into a small town emergency room and she was in the emergency room and she called me and I said, uh, she, you know, I got a little more history from her and I said, okay, well, can I talk to the, the ER doctor? So she let me talk to him and he told me that he ruled out for uh, um, a heart attack, an MI. So I told him what I thought was going on and he said, yeah, I agree, you're probably right. I said, he probably needs this, like a Holter monitor, he says, yeah, you're probably right. So, uh, so the lady called me, uh, got back on the phone with me and said, uh, hey, well, you know, we're gonna, I think we're just gonna cancel our retreat for the weekend and we're gonna come to the office and see you right now. And I said, well, you know, you're free to do that, but before you do, let me make a phone call and get back to you. So I called my friend, the cardiologist, and I said, hey, this is what's going on. This is probably what they need. He said, yeah, uh, what's their name? I'll tell my staff they're coming over. So I called the lady. I said, just, you don't need to come to my office. Just go to the cardiologist. They're waiting for you. So boom, there it is. You know, that's now, if you think back on the traditional model, look at all of the steps that were, uh, um, that we avoided and how quickly we got that person exactly where they needed to be. Yeah, I've I've never thought of the primary care physician being that navigator for the patient. I mean, obviously they refer you to whoever specialist, but you, I mean, you're considering every need of the patient. You're not just treating their their diagnosis, but you're helping the entire patient themselves, which that's that's an amazing story. I mean, who knows like how much money you save that patient in addition to you know, helping them with, with whatever was going on medically. Sure. Um, yeah, that, this is why I think primary care is super important for patients and providers to understand. There's innovative techniques like we had with direct primary care that allow for real reform of the healthcare system, even if the government's not involved yet. I think this is very scalable and there's a lot of potential for improvement in terms of patient accessibility and driving down costs. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to, to help me kind of navigate through it all. I, you know, for your listeners who are applying to medical school, I, I wish them the best. I wish you the best. Um, and I, I hope that um, whoever is going to medical school will really consider why they want to go and, and how they want to, contribute to the the great profession of medicine there's there's so much need for for good doctors out there to uh to take care of people um and especially in primary care i mean it's it's really been um wonderfully refreshing for me uh, especially in the these last few years to have this direct primary care clinic it's always been wonderful to, to take care of patients 
um, especially lately. They've we've been able to spend more time with them, and um, and it's paid off for for them. And they let us know it's 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 a beautiful thing. So thank you uh, for having me on, and I wish you and all of your listeners uh, great success. Yeah, of course. Um, if if you can't tell yet to the listeners, Dr. Roger obviously cares about his patients. Like his entire system is devoted to them. And as somebody who has shattered him, I can attest to that. So if you are looking for a primary care physician, I'll I'll post your website to direct med clinic below. Um, if do you have any social media that you want me to put so that people can follow you or contact you? You bet. Yeah, sure. Um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Yes, awesome. I'm sure. All right. That's it for today's show, everybody. Um, thank you again, Dr. Roger, for talking about primary care with me. Uh, hope you have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.